restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you, until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence and be forever with you. is my best friend, my shepherd. I always have more than enough. He offers a resting place for me in his luxurious love. His tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where he restores and revives my life. He opens before me pathways to God's pleasure and leads me along in his footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to his name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I will never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with your fragrance of the Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, you. Good morning, everybody. I want to welcome you this morning to Victor Christian Fellowship. We're so delighted that you could be here this morning. And we always have a good time in the Lord because He is good and greatly to be praised. 
So, Lord, we just lift up your name in this place this morning. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise for you alone are worthy, Lord. And we worship you, we honor you, and we bless you. And we thank you for being in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Blessing you and praising you, Lord. And we thank you so much that you speak to your people. Worship your way to peace. Worship your way into my presence. Worship your way out of trouble. For when you worship me, says the Lord, you activate my glory and you bring it to where you are. Your worship causes me to inhabit your very presence and praise. There's one more. Oh, the 
Victory is not just something I've given you, it's who you are. I put it in your DNA. For I have given you my victory. I have brought you to the winner's circle. I have gone before you and I share my victory with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for your freshness from heaven. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't you appreciate our worship team? They do a phenomenal job. We are blessed and grateful to have them. Our CDs became people. You can, you can change CDs into people. Yeah. We sang, if you don't know what he's talking about, we sang yeah. with CDs for, I don't know how many years we did There was that. a time. There was a time. We played the CDs and sang to it. And the funny thing is, we had a guest speaker, you know. <laughs> this is funny. We had a guest speaker who is a musician and a, and a singer. That's yes. he's right? And so we took him to lunch. He was speaking, and we took him to lunch after, as we normally do. And he was like, Fiona, I have to tell you, that worship was so tight. Like, you guys were so awesome. I said to him, I said, do you realize that we were singing to the actual artist on the CD? Yeah. And he said, well, whatever you did, like, he could hear <laughs> us singing too. But he was like, I said, you know, that's even more of a compliment because we literally over rode the whole cd yeah. like we were in time with the cd and he couldn't even tell the difference but we would lead the worship live one time we had cds would play in the back and somebody's knee jabbed the cd player and it turned off and we kept singing yep. in tune yep. the whole song we finished it and then i knew that they could turn the cd back on to the next song because if they had turned it on it would have skipped you know yeah. so i knew that once we finished that song, they would press play for the next song. Sure enough, they didn't. We just kept singing. Nobody realized what happened, but they thought it was all part of the plan. But <laughs> we were faithful with the CDs, and God brought the live musicians. <laughs> and see, the, the point is, you use what you have. Mm-hmm. And as you faithful use what you have, God will multiply it. Yes. Amen. <laughs> will you, go ahead. We used it all, brother. <laughs> Well, well, let's let's make our confession of faith based on God's word. Our heavenly father has given to us another comforter to comfort us, encourage us and strengthen us. He helps us to stay on God's course. God's Holy Spirit abides with us forever. He is our advocate of truth and our divine tutor to guide us in life. We have the spirit of wisdom who teaches us all things. He He is is eternal, eternal. he He was was involved in creation, and he knows knows all things. We are learning great things from him. The Holy Spirit is our personal powerhouse who abides within us and overshadows us. Through him we can boldly testify how good our Father God is. We welcome and receive help in all things through the Holy Spirit. He helps us solve problems, find solutions, and outsmart all enemies to give us victory in life. 
The Holy Spirit is our greatest ally who stands for righteousness, holiness, and truth. He always glorifies and honors the Lord Jesus and his kingdom. God's Spirit unveils and reveals to us what is ours. He provides us with special abilities and extraordinary power through divine grace. At Victory, our vision is to reach out beyond our walls with the message of salvation, hope, and inheritance. To proclaim the uncompromising word of God, to build a strong body of believers, and to encourage relationships in a loving atmosphere. We activate God's word to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. At Victory Christian Fellowship, we are inheriting God's promises and experiencing their benefits. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good to see each one of you here. God bless you. A few announcements today. We are in the month of December. It's the first Sunday of December. The women have a Bible, I mean a book club on Pastor Fiona's book, You Can Be Fearless, that we are meeting today after church, if you want to join us, women. And then youth on Tuesday, Air Force. Woohoo! Are the youth awake? They are. They are actively pursuing the Lord. They are here Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Saturday. And so now you have a little glimpse as to why they're so on fire. Because they are here four times a week meeting together. We share revelation every day. We're getting revelation that the Lord's giving them. And Josh prepared a communion message for us yesterday, which was awesome. Thank you, Josh. And I hear he has another message the Lord is giving him. So we're looking forward to the Lord's gifts and anointings in the youth coming forth. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. So we have uh, Air Force on Tuesday. And we thank Miss Dottie, who faithfully prepares us supper. Yeah, so we're grateful for that. We come hungry for more than one thing. (laughs) And that's at 6 o'clock. So if you know youth, ages 12 and up, Tuesdays we meet here at 6, 6 to 8. And during the school year, we keep those times pretty tight because of schoolwork. And um, so 6 to 8 on Tuesdays. Save the date, Tuesday, December 21st, is going to be our youth Christmas party. And that will extend to 8.30. But that's where we just have a lot of fun, food and fellowship, have gifts, and just have a good time being, having fun. Yeah, so invite some friends. That's a good one to invite your friends to or someone. It's a good, um, yeah, icebreaker where everybody feels comfortable. We pull out the ping pong table. We have other games, we, board games. We have, um, we, um, also prepare something for widows in our church as part of what the youth do at the Christmas party. So that's also there. And then, of course, Miss Dottie makes us a feast. <laughs> 
she's actually the one who asked about it before I even like realized it was coming up. So um, we appreciate we appreciate um, everyone who helps with that. And then um, I'll just stick with the youth here. Uh, this Saturday is our monthly breakfast. So the second Saturday of the month, the youth meet for breakfast from 9 to 11. That's a monthly event. And Nate is the one who leads the lesson for that. Stephen leads the lessons on Tuesday nights. So our youth are activating their gifts and anointings. And um, Abby and Devon often lead the worship. So they're, they're, they're bringing that, that part in. It's just a great, wonderful body. We're all functioning, doing our parts. So a breakfast is this Saturday, 9 to 11. We meet in the VCF kitchen. And then we're following that immediately with the abundance of rain. The abundance of rain is a specific thing the Lord shared with us to come meet in his presence. We have worship. We have arts. And we just receive from the Lord and we minister to the Lord. And so it's just a beautiful time. I think yesterday there was such peace, like everybody was just basically laid out on a chair, just so calm and peaceful, like the song Silent Night. All is calm, all is bright. Yeah. And I enjoyed seeing the different expressions of God as he just ministers and we minister to him. So... Okay, that's Saturdays. And, um, okay, so now that, oh, wait, the youth have coffee and cookies. The youth have coffee and cookies. This year, something different with our cookie bake. The youth, with my understanding, although I think some of them um, hired people to replace them, but the youth volunteered to make each make a batch of cookies, like a type of cookies. So some are making snickerdoodles, some are making sugar cookies, some are making oatmeal cookies, some are making chocolate chip. So that's like a, you're going to get the uniqueness of each person. I think that's awesome. <laughs> I picked up extra, another order of decaf coffee yesterday that was just ground on Friday. So that's back there for your purchase. They had their coffee bean bags, big sacks, free. They can't find anybody to take them. I said our youth will know what to do with them. So they're going to be making crafts with them for donations for you to take along. If you have ideas of something you'd like, just talk to one of them. I think we're going to start working on that on Tuesday. So... And that's because we are planning to fly to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, in July to join together with our extended family of Rama as they celebrate their 50th year of camp meeting. That is exciting, and I'm super excited that we get to be a part of it. And they have a... They have special session camps for the youth, which this past year I watched online. They were there. Josiah could testify. 
the one service, the youth, a lot of the youth came in and participated. And the, uh, the um, pulsating life and excitement that they bring into the atmosphere is contagious, even across the screen. <laughs> so I'm excited to be there in person this year. And um, so that's what we're raising funds specifically for. We have other things we're going to do. We're going to Philadelphia with Let Us Worship at the Liberty Bell at Independence Mall. Mall, they call it Mall, I think. So we're going to rock our state for for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our boots, where they say boots on the ground. Yes, and we have a lot more planned that I just need to stop talking about right now. Because <laughs> it's her turn. She could come up and join me. Yeah, she's our, she's one of our youngest youth. She is on excited. Woohoo! Come on, let's go. She likes not the spotlight to be on her. Okay, so we'll just let her be on the side. She's like the girl that peeks out behind the curtain when the person's trying to do. <laughs> okay. Wednesday night refreshing. Wednesday night refreshing is awesome, right, Josiah? Yes. Wednesday night refreshing is awesome. Josiah recently tapped into the awesomeness of Wednesday night. So I invite you all to come and find out what it was that Josiah found out about Wednesday nights and tap into the awesomeness of Wednesday night refreshing. That's at 6.30. Thursday, we have Bible Adventure here, the third through fifth grade students at Forge and Northside are invited to come in the afternoons for one hour for Bible instruction. And we have a good time. My one student said last week, I just love Jesus so much. And I'm so glad he made me. Now, he just received Jesus on the first Bible adventure. That was in September. And he is just so thrilled that Jesus loves him and that he made him. So that's, that's my little testimony. If you talk to anyone that works, um, Chris and Mike Frenchek, they work a lot with overseeing it. There's other people here. We call them listeners. So if you want to be part of it and hear from the children themselves of, as they just get to know what the Bible says, they get to know God like you see it through their fresh eyes and hear it right from their mouth. It just, it's like the awe and wonder of the season. But it lasts all year for them. So that's Wednesdays. If you see Chris and Mike Frenchek, they can help you. There's many ways that you can participate. We have secretaries. We have listeners. We have teachers. We have drivers. If you just want to drive a van, we need that. If you just want to ride along in a van, we need those kind of volunteers. So there's all ways that you can partake and minister to the children. That's on Thursdays. And if you're not available every Thursday... We work with that, too. We have a wonderful system. We have people that volunteer. We ebb and flow. We cover for each other. So don't feel like you have to be available every Thursday. If you just have a few Thursdays available, let Chris know. She would be more than glad to let you know how you can help. Boy, I was talking a long time today. I'm only halfway through my list. (laughs) Okay, 
speed it up. Acceleration. Look, Lisa put all these pretty pictures on here. That's what must be up there. I forget that's up there. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, we're almost done. Um, I have one here. Christmas candlelight service is December 22nd. That's the Wednesday before Christmas. We'll have our annual Christmas candlelight service starting at 6.30 p.m. That's December 22nd. You're doing this, sir? This, this is available in the bookstore and on Amazon. This is one of our children's units. We do quarterly units that Pastor Fiona has written. We have many units. I don't know how many we have. We have 13. This is the first one that went from a three-ring binder into a bound published book. So it's available for anyone around the world. And it's not just for kids. I learned so much teaching this. This particular unit is called Because I Am a Christian, I Can. And I can pray for my friend to receive Jesus I can pray for my friend to be healed. I can be wiser than my enemy. I can come to church. I should pay tithes and give offerings. I should read my Bible. I receive communion. As you can see, it's like the foundational elements of being a believer. And they're broken down into 13 lessons because it's a quarter. So that's available in the bookstore and online at Amazon. And then I'm finished. Thank you. God bless you. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm excited about the next generation. We have some awesome youth pastors, Pastor Nelson and Nadine, and they're doing a phenomenal job. And uh, glory to God. Were you excited this morning? You excited about Jesus? I want you to stand for just a moment. You know, you could take this curriculum and you could have some refreshments, invite some of your neighbors over your house and just begin studying them. Amen? And then invite them to church. Yeah. And uh, it would be a good outreach because sometimes people wonder, you know, how they could reach out. Well, that would be a good way to do that. But we're going to believe God for the salvation of the people in this jar. So I want you just to stretch forth your hands. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that you sent Jesus to seek and save that which was lost. And Father, we put a target on these people right now. And Lord, we target them with the blood of Jesus. And we pray that the power of God would open their eyes of understanding. And Lord, that you would draw them to yourself. Send your goodness before them and bring them to repentance. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that these will go from being names in a jar to being names written in your book of life. And we give you thanks and praise that they will come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We call them into the family in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Just want to share with you uh, one thing from Luke chapter 6 before we dismiss our awesome kids. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. You know, God tells us to be, God not only commands us to be generous, he shows us how to do it. Do you know that everything that God told us to do, he does? Why? Because he's a man of his word. If he tells us to witness, that's because he witnessed. If he tells us to give, it's because he gave. Amen? If he tells us to trust, it's because he trusts. Hallelujah. And uh, um, this is what uh, Billy Graham said. Here, let me find it here. Oh, nope. He said, God gave us two hands, one to receive and one to give. That's what Billy Graham said. And uh, Hudson uh, Taylor, he was a great missionary. He said, God wants you to have something far better than riches and gold. And that is helpless dependence on him. Now, God doesn't mind you having riches and gold because he, he owns all the gold. Right? He paves his streets with it. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, did you know that you can give yourself a raise? Your receiving is directly connected to your giving. In Luke 6, 38, it says this. The first word is give. All right? You may give one thing. At one moment. And then as a result of that, and it shall, say it shall. Those words, it shall, means it can't go any other way. When you give, it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall uh, men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet... It shall be measured to you again. So if you want to increase the measure that you receive, increase the measure that you give. Amen. I have tested this. And uh, I have an account where I've done nothing but give out of it. And opportunities and money comes just as a result of giving. Amen. I'm telling you, say this works. It does. So, Father, I just give you thanks and praise that as your people give today, they give of their tithes, they give of their offerings, Lord. And we just thank you that you open up the windows of heaven. You are pouring out a blessing on them so great their rooms can't contain it. You're rebuking the devourer and you're causing them to be increased and prospered and protected in Jesus' name. Amen. And you can give any time during the service. If you're watching online, you can uh, give through our website. And there's multiple ways. Amen. And you should train your kids to give. Amen. Our kids have been givers ever since they've they've known how and they see the results of it. Amen. And if you want to, um, you know, you can always watch uh, Rama. Their service is live. You just go to Rama TV or just type in their Rama and uh, you can find it there. And that that group that Nadine was referencing, that was a group from South Dakota. They brought 68 young people to Tulsa, Oklahoma for camp meeting and. They said they just set up some speakers and a platform in an open field and kids started coming. And these kids were on fire. Yeah, that's our youth group. They brought 68 kids. 
to Tulsa, Oklahoma from South Dakota. Amen. And I'm so glad that uh, Nelson and Nadine, Pastor Nelson and Nadine, they are thriving for big things. Amen. When you strive for big things, you're going to accomplish big things. Amen. So kids, I want you to stand up. We're going to dismiss you. Kids, have a great class. All right, kids, be blessed of God. Enjoy your time. Connect with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, you're glad to be here today. Today, we're going to begin a series for this month and for this season called The Generosity of God. How many know that we have a generous God? And we we see his generosity in giving the world a savior who was who is his son. Right. And generosity is something that God is. It is it's literally part of his nature. And uh, he is uh, he's not like human beings that uh, may be generous one day and not another day. But God is generous all the time. And uh, what he gives, he, he gives because he is generous. And um, Psalm 36, verses 5 and 8 says this. Your love, Lord, reaches the heavens and your faithfulness to the skies. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. How many know that God's got an abundant house? And his cupboards are never bare. And you can go there anytime and get what you need. Amen. He says, you give them to drink from the river of delights. And uh, God's goodness, kindness, and faithfulness, they all work together and they overflow to us. Amen. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. And this is going to be our springboard or our text. And we're going to look at this and we're going to talk about uh, some of the things that God is generous in. All right. And I want you to see verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. It says, for unto us a child is born. Unto who? Unto us. Jesus was born because of you and because of me. And then he says, unto us a son is given. Everybody say, is given. Can you imagine someone giving their son, their only son, to be a sacrifice to save a lost and dying world? But unto us a son was given. Amen. God gave us his son. He made an investment into this world because God wanted a family. So he sowed a seed, which is his son. And God is still reaping in his family. His family is still growing today. And then it says, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's going to rule and reign. And his name shall be called wonderful. Woo! He's got a wonderful name. Man, it, it is it is an awesome name. Counselor. You need some advice? 
Father knows best. Then he says, the mighty God. You need some power? There's ne- God never has a power outage. And he doesn't rely on wind or solar. He relies on his holiness. Amen? The everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. So unto us, a son is given. God bestowed upon us his son. He did that so that he could save us, so that he could have a relationship with us. God want, God is a relational God. And what he wants most is he wants a relationship with every person on this planet. Because our relationship was broken with him. And he's the only one that can fix it. And he did fix it by sending his son Jesus. You know, God unlocked the broken relationship with a cross key. He put the cross in the earth. And he unlocked the door to an everlasting relationship. Amen? Amen. So we see God's generosity in, in the fact that he gave us a savior. He gave us his son. He gave of himself. See? And hallelujah. Jesus is the richest and best gift of God. It is a gift that keeps on giving. It has a lifetime guarantee never to wear out, never to dull in its beauty, never needs replacement or upgrade or fixing. But Jesus is the unspeakable gift of God to us. God's gift didn't come under the tree. It came on the tree. Amen. And Jesus reflects and demonstrates God's love. He is the epitome or the picture. If you want to see what love looks like, it looks like Jesus. Jesus is love. His, it, it was love that brought him here. It was love that put him on the cross. Because there was only one way for us to be saved, and that was for a sacrifice to be made and blood to be shed. Because that's how God set it up. And Jesus was willing to do it and thankful to do it and joyful to do it. That's what love does. Love rejoices at sacrificial opportunities. God voluntarily gave his son to be our sacrifice. He didn't have to persuade Jesus. Jesus was willing. He didn't let his life be taken, but he laid it down as an offering. Amen? Jesus laid down his life for us. He freely and graciously gave us Jesus. God did. Freely and graciously. Amen? So unto us, A son is given. Hallelujah. His own son, his only begotten son. Jesus didn't have other sons. And even if you did, you're giving up your son. Amen? But he knew that it was just temporary because his son would be coming back. He knew that his son would raise from the dead. Amen? So how do we see, this is, in in today's lessons, you're going to see these things woven into this. 
God's generosity is seen in his goodness. Oh, how many know that our God is good? If you have any doubts about God, just put your faith in his goodness. Our God is good. Right? And you're going to see God's generosity in his faithfulness. There is no one that has stuck by you to, to greater degrees than God. When everybody else left you, he stayed with you. He is faithful. He is the faithful God. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. When you're in your darkest hour and your loneliest moment, God is there with you. Because he never leaves you. Even with our messed up minds and our, and our sinful ways, God stuck with us. He is good and he is faithful. That's where we see his generosity. We see his generosity and his love. How could you love a bunch of people that don't love you? And not only love them, but give yourself to them. Our God is love. He loved us with an everlasting love. His perfect, his love is perfect. His perfect love casts out fear. It covers a multitude of sins. It never fails. So we see God's generosity in his goodness, in his faithfulness, and in his love. And we see it in his kindness. God didn't have to die for you, but he did. He was willing to do it. He extended his kindness to us. He helped us when we were in our trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. Our God is a kind God. He he even dealt with people who opposed him in a kind way. So you see his generosity in his goodness, in his faithfulness, in his love, in his kindness, and in his wisdom, power, and provision. You see his generosity. Amen? What does God give? God gives good things. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Amen? The air that we breathe. Aren't you glad that God doesn't charge us for air? We don't have to put a dime into a meter to get some more air for today. It, it is freely available to us. God instilled our bodies to function, our brains to take care of all these things, the beating of the heart, the pumping of the blood, the movement, all these things are, we, God equipped us with. So God gives good things. We see his generosity in what he gives. He gives right things. He gives lasting things. And he gives the best. Our God gives the best. Anything that you've, get, you've, you've received from God has been the best. Amen? God has the best. All right? We see his generosity in how he gives. He gives lavishly. Man, he puts heaps on you. He, his giving is when you say, oh, that's too much. He said, no, you take a little bit more. When you think you've had too much, God gives you a little bit more. That's a, he gives lavishly in how he gives, right? He gives richly. He gives richly. Man, he pours it on you. He's not afraid to give you a double or triple or quadruple portion, right? He doubles your double. That's you get a double double. <laughs> he gives abundantly. 
The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have abundant life. He gives abundantly. We see his generosity in how he gives. He gives more than, more than enough. See, we're conditioned to have enough, but God wants you to have more than enough. Why? Your enough covers you, but the more than allows you to cover someone else. Our God is a more than giver, more than enough. Amen? And how he gives, he gives in overflow. <laughs> we, we read it in Luke 6.38. Your giving produces four ways. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. People start giving you money. Or whatever it you gave. Amen? Here, everybody put your hands like this. You know, like they used to hold the aprons. Like, right? Say, Lord, there's room for more. I'm opening myself up for your standard of giving and your standard of receiving. Amen. And so we see God's generosity in why he gives. He gives because he loves. He loves to give. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Why he gives? He gives on purpose. God gives on purpose. He purposely gave Abraham cows and cattle and camels and gold. He gave it to him on purpose. Why? That's the blessing of the Lord. It makes you increase. We have to walk in the blessing. Amen? Put your hand on, on an empty chair. And say, Lord Jesus, this is a seed that has been planted in Palmyra. I call this chair fruitful. Fruit, come forth in Jesus' name. Amen. And you might be the fruit harvester. Go get you some fruit. Say, there's a seat for you. Say, I have your reservation. Go, go, go to your neighbor and say, I have a reservation for you. Oh, really? Where? At the best dining place in Palmyra. They serve the, fresh, the freshest bread. They serve some new wine. Now, it might intoxicate you. Amen? Yeah. And we, why God gives? He desires to. It's his nature to give. You don't have to twist God's arm to give. It's what he does. It's who he is. Our God is a giver. He's the greatest giver of all time. Always has been and always will be. And we can never outgive God. Never, never, never. Hallelujah. And why he gives? Because it's his nature. Amen. I want you to go to Second Samuel. Well, before we get there, let's look at some scriptures about his goodness. All right? I want you to go to Exodus 15:13. Exodus 15:13. How many know if you're going to believe in God's goodness, you got to hear some truth about his goodness? Cuz your faith comes what what happens what, what what comes when you hear God's word? Faith comes. Right? You're about to increase your capacity to receive from his goodness. 
Exodus 15, verse 13. It says, you and your loving kindness, now I'm reading from the Amplified, you and your loving kindness and goodness have led the people whom you have redeemed. In your strength, you have guided them with care to your holy habitation. Isn't that a beautiful picture? God went into Egypt and freed his people and brought them through the wilderness for better things. Amen. He didn't, he didn't just take them to the wilderness to leave them there. He took them there to bring them into better things. He had a promised land. A land flowing with milk and honey. Amen. Go to Exodus 13. I mean, Exodus 33. Exodus 33 and verse 18. Exodus 33 and verse 18. Moses said, please show me your glory. Oh, you can't ask God to show your glory. Moses did. Have you ever asked God to show you his glory? God will show you his glory. Moses asked and God answered. And God showed Moses his glory. He said, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. That tells me God's goodness is his glory. Whoo, glory to God. I want to see your glory. Okay, I'm going to make my goodness pass before you. Mm. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. I will show compassion and loving kindness on whom I will show compassion. Amen. And then go to Psalm 23, 6. Some of you could probably quote this. But I like this. David got a hold of it. He said, surely goodness and mercy, unfailing love shall follow me. How long? All the days of my life. And notice, if you want to keep seeing the glory, you've got to be planted somewhere. I shall dwell forever in the house and in the presence of the Lord. Say, goodness and mercy are following me. Isn't that, that's awesome. All the days of your life. God is going to be good. God is good today. He's going to be good tomorrow. He's going to be good from a week from now. He's going to be good 365 days from now. There's never a day where he's going to take a time out of being good. Because why? We have a generous God. Amen? And let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Before we get to the Christmas story, we're going to take a little journey here to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9 is a picture of a king helping someone who he was in covenant relationship with that had passed away, so he's helping his, their relatives. It's how God helps us. Alright? And 2 Samuel chapter 9, starting with verse 1, it said, And David said, Is there any yet that is uh, left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? How many know that we have a covenant with God? And because we have a covenant with God, God wants to show everyone in his covenant kindness. David had a covenant relationship with Jonathan. Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul was the first king who wanted to kill David. He hunted David down. 
He wanted to kill him, and David had opportunities to kill Saul, but he refused to do it because he honored the office, even though Saul was possessed by an evil spirit. There's a lot to know about David and how he honored authority. See, if you want to have authority, you've got to honor authority. And so David was looking for someone of, the, of his boss who was trying to kill him, who he wants to help and show kindness to. Isn't that how God does to us? Satan was like our, our Saul. He hunts us down. He tries to kill us. He attacks us. He tries to steal, kill, and destroy. But God wants to show us kindness. Amen? And then it says in verse 2, And there was of the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Are you Ziba? And he said, Your servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul? Notice this next phrase, That I may show the kindness of God unto him. Not only does David want to be kind, he wants to show the kindness of God. He wants to be God he wants to show the love of God and the goodness of God to a descendant of his friend Jonathan. Or of Saul, really. So, uh, jo- so there was this guy who was there. He wants to show the kindness of God unto him. And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan had a son which is lame on his feet. And if you, you, you can look up 2 Samuel 4, 4. It talks about how he was lame he, when he was five years old. His, his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan both died and they were running away and the nurse dropped him and he injured his feet so he was lame in his feet. So David was on the run at this time so he never met Mephibosheth. He didn't know that he existed. That's why he's inquiring. Alright? And uh, so there was a son who was lame in his feet and the king said unto him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Lodabar means pastureless. It means there's no pasture there. It's kind of a, a desolate place. You know, God picked us up in the scurry. We were, we were hidden in sin, right? And God brought us up from obscurity, and he brought us from sin to the palace, from the pit to the prominent place. Amen? Just like David did here. He's in Lodabar. What, what is Lodabar? The bar is so low that no one wants to live there. Amen? Because Satan lowers the bar. God raises the bar. Lodabar, the bar is so low. <laughs> Verse 5. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, from Lodabar. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you glad God didn't leave us where we were? But he brought us out into something better. God brought us out into something better. Why? Our God is good. He's faithful. He's loving. He's kind. He's got power. He's with him. He is generous. That's the generosity of God. God didn't leave you in your sin. He loved you too much to leave you in your sin. You think he's going to do all that work on the cross just to leave you in sin? I don't think so. He's got a higher life for you. You're not living where the bar is low. You're living where the bar is high. Amen? 
So he brought him to the house. Now when Mephibosheth, this is verse 6, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold your servant. And David said unto him, Fear not. See, because David, you know, mostly when a king discovers a relative of a former king, they have a right to be a king. And that wouldn't be good. So a lot of kings killed people. Right? Even Solomon did. He killed his brothers. <laughs> so David said, fear not. Isn't that the first thing that God says when an angel appears to you or when he appears to you? Fear not. Why? There's no fear in your DNA. Look at your neighbor and say, fear not. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. Jesus showed us kindness for God's sake. Hallelujah. And I will restore you all the land of Saul. God's in the rescue business. He's in the restoration business. He's in the renewal business. And he's in the redemption business. How many are ready to be restored to some things? i got some things that need to be restored. Amen? Why? Because when I was sin, they were taken away. But I'm ready for some restoration. And then he said, you shall eat bread at my table continually. God's got a seat for us in heavenly places. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. He prepares a table. He's got a seat for us at the table. We'll be forever with the king. Glory to God. You're going to eat bread at the king's table. Continually. Verse 8, and he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth thought he was a dead dog. He had no hope. He didn't think he had much of a future living in Lodabar. How low can you go? The bar is how low you can go. <laughs> what, what do you call that, that thing where you go under the bar? Limbo, yeah. Mephibosheth was doing the limbo in Loda Bar. Lower that bar. So his mentality since he was five was he was a dead dog. But how many know that God didn't see him as a dead dog? God saw him as a son. Of the king. He saw him as a son of a covenant relationship. He saw him as someone he wants to show kindness to. See, the thing about dead dogs is when they encounter God, they become live dogs. Like the woman, the Syrophoenician woman, oh, the dogs just eat the crumbs of your table. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'm a dog. Give me the crumbs. All I need is some crumbs. Amen? Verse 9. The king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I have given unto your master's son all that pertained to Saul and to all his house. He was restored to wealth. He was restored to riches. He was restored to prominent living. He did away with the bar. And he went to hide the bar. Hide the bar instead of load the bar. <laughs> 
Verse 10, you therefore and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him. Now he's, he's got a bunch of servants working for him. He didn't even fill out an application for a position. And you shall bring in the fruits that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Woo, we, we, we got a table with the king, glory to God. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. All of a sudden now, this man's got 35 employees. He went from low to bar, being broke and down and out, to having 35 servants taking care of him and producing for him and increasing him. Some would say, amen. This is us. This was us. Then Ziba said unto the king, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so shall your servant do. This was a command of the king to take care of Mephibosheth. God commanded us to be taken care of. Amen? And uh, he said, as for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Woo! You've, you've just been upgraded to a king's son. That includes daughters because that's a position in, in God. Verse 13, so Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem. He ate continually at the king's table and was lame. and He couldn't even walk. And all of a sudden, God just prospered him. God increased him. God changed the whole situation. Amen. It wasn't about what Mephibosheth couldn't do. It was about what God could do. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what God can do. Amen. Let's put our faith in his goodness. Let's put our faith in his faithfulness. Let's put our faith in God's love. Let's put our faith in his kindness. Amen. You are a candidate for God's goodness. God wants to be generous to you. He wants to be generous to me and to this church and to this community. Amen. All right, let's go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And let's see how this relates to the Christmas story. We're not going to get into the whole story today, but we'll get parts of it. Amen? See, I have a generous God. All right, in Luke chapter 1, in verse 6, it introduces to us a husband and a wife, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Elizabeth was a cousin to Mary. And Zechariah and Elizabeth were up in years, okay? And the Bible says that they were both righteous. Everybody say, both righteous. That's what God designs in a husband and a wife. He wants you both righteous. And they were righteous before God. That means they didn't operate according to a low standard. They operated to a high standard. And they walked in all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. That means they did what God said. When they read a scripture from the uh, Pentateuch, they did what it said. 
right? Because they didn't have much right. They didn't have a Bible like we do. Okay? And they're doing the best to walk with God with what they had. How many know you don't need much? You just need to know God. Right? Paul said, I don't need to know anything but uh, Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all I need to do. Just let me preach. You know that? You, you have enough to preach. Amen? You have enough to live like Christ. And uh, now verse 7 tells us a little background. They had no child because Elizabeth was barren. Why do they always blame the woman? I don't know. And they both were well stricken in years. They were advanced. It wasn't probable that they were going to have a baby. But how many know when you come up against something that's not probable, God doesn't worry about the odds. Because nothing is too hard for God. When you believe him, things become possible that were impossible, that looked impossible. Nothing is impossible to them that believe. Are you a believer? Then nothing's impossible to you. Okay? But they had no child. Now, in that day, people made fun of families that didn't have children. They criticized them. They mocked them. It was, it was like a, a scorn in society. And not only that, he was a priest. He's serving in God's house. Oh, my goodness. And they're, they don't have any children, and now they're up in age, getting ready to retire. And uh, it came to pass. Look at your neighbor and say, just hang in there. Until you reach the pass. Until you reach, it comes to pass. Amen. God's got a pass for you. And it's coming. If you don't quit. If you don't give up. If you hang in there. If you keep pressing in. Keep doing what you know to do. Amen. You gotta keep, that's the mentality that we gotta have. It came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, According to the custom of the priest. So he burned incense as a priest. And he's inside the temple. Not the Holy of Holies, but the, he's inside the inner court where the, where the incense was. You had the table of showbread, you had the incense, you had the light. And uh, he's lighting the incense. Okay, they had to light the incense. And incense is a representative of prayer. And so he's doing his work. Right? He's, he's, he's flicking his bick. Right? He's lighting the incense. Keep, keeping the fire hot. Right? Trimming the wicks, you know, doing what he's got to do. And people are outside and they're praying. Right? Say they were praying. God works in an atmosphere of prayer. Don't ever quit praying. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the incense. Isn't it nice for God to visit his people? Because that's the kind of God we do. He visits us, right? And the reason he doesn't make so many visits is he's gave us the Holy Spirit. You don't need a visit from God. you got the Holy Spirit living in you. Amen? Lord, there's never a prayer that says, show me an angel. Whether you see an angel or not, they exist. 
They're working behind the scenes. You don't necessarily need to see them. You just got to believe what the Bible says about it. Okay? Zechariah didn't go to work that day saying, oh, Lord, I want to see an angel. He was just doing his normal thing, serving God, being faithful in his position, in his calling. Okay? And there an angel appeared to him. That was nice of God. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Well, you think if you see an angel, you're going to celebrate. No, you're going to drop dead. When John saw a vision in heaven, he saw an angel. He dropped like a dead man. Daniel fell weak in the knees when he saw the angel. These are, these are pretty awesome creatures. Now, we're higher than angels. Angels are a separate class. Angels aren't made in God's image, but you and I are. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to help those who shall be heirs of salvation. Who's the heir of salvation in here? So God's got angels that are helping you. Amen? And uh, so the angel said, fear not. See, the angel calms his fear. That's something that someone who's generous would do. He calms his fear. Amen? God, did you notice that the moment fear raises his head, God doesn't tolerate it? Nor his angels? Don't fear. Do not fear. Fear is a choice as to whether or not you give into it. You don't have to. You can say no. And fear says, okay, I got the wrong house. Sorry. It won't stick around. You got to resist fear. Worry, anxiety. Oh, it's a real nail biter. No, it's not. Your wife, Elizabeth, shall bear you a son and you shall name him John. Well, that's good news. Don't know how long Zechariah and Elizabeth prayed for that. But they're about to meet the answer to their prayer. How many know that no matter how long you pray, God heard you the first time? And God's working on your situation? You just got to keep trusting no matter what it looks like. See, too many people quit when they don't see it. That means you got weak faith. That means you got faith that are based on your senses and not based on what he said. Because you give up when you don't see it or when you don't feel. I didn't feel it. Who says you got to feel it? You got to believe it, not feel it. But it didn't say feel you, you and you shall receive. It says believe you shall receive. There's a difference. All right. And you shall have joy and gladness and many shall rejoice. This is an over the top message. This is a too good message. Right. This is an incredible message that God sent his a personal messenger from heaven to deliver it to. While Zechariah is at work. He's on the job. He's on the clock. And the angel shows up. The angel didn't even punch in. Why? Because the angel can access things without doors. They can walk through walls. They can just show up. Okay? For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink not wine or uh, strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. If you heard, now listen, just put yourself in his shoes. You're at work, and all of a sudden an angel shows up and gives you this message. 
Well, you've been, you've been without something for so long, you might have let it go. And here, God sends an encouraging word to encourage his servant and his son. That's the generosity of God. What's God doing? He's giving them what they asked for. And, you know, Zachariah said, you know, how's this going to come about? My wife, I'm an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. See, now he's just stuck on that natural. And, uh, you know, the angel said uh, unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God, and I'm sent to speak unto you and to show these things, these glad tidings. A form of being sent is a form of given. God gave him an angel to give him a message. Amen? And uh, then the angel said, behold, you're going to be dumb. Listen, don't be dumb. Amen? Who are dumb people? They don't believe God. They're going to be dumb. Just like Zechariah was, because he didn't believe God. Listen, why did God have to make him dumb? Because God was telling him something that was going to happen, and if he had a mouth that could speak, he could, he could abort the promise. If you, if you allow, if you don't believe what God is saying, and you allow negative words to come out of your mouth, you could abort the promise. That means if you're not quite believing, zip it. Until you believe it. Because there are power in your words. Why did the Israelites, why were the Israelites, why did they die in the wilderness? Because they talked about death all the time. And God finally gave them what they said. They reaped a harvest on their seeds. So if you speak negative about your body, negative about your finances, negative about your environment, guess what? You're, you're going to reap those seeds. So in this particular, you know, God doesn't shut all of our mouths, but in this particular case, he had to. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be dumb. All right. And uh, so verse 24, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself for five months, saying, thus has the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. God's favor removes reproach. The Amplified talks about how uh, he looked at her with favor. Here's this woman past the age of childbearing, and now she's giving birth, and she's five months pregnant. And she's hiding herself because, you know, the people who were criticizing her would be freaked out. Let me just show you how good my God is. Here's the evidence. Elizabeth could have just, but that would have been flaunting herself. She just hid herself. So God's favor. Yeah. God's look of favor removes disgrace. When God favors you, disgrace can't hang around you. It can't hang on you. Amen. Did you know that God favors you? Raise up your hand and say, I'm God's favorite. How can we all be God's favorite? God is so good, he has enough favor to go around. There's not a shortage of favor. God can favor all of us and everyone on this planet and still have more favor to share. Amen? 
That's the generosity of God. He's so good. All right? Now let's go to Mary. Verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named So John was six months older than Jesus. To a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Same angel that came to Zechariah showed up at Mary's house. Notice he just showed up, didn't have an invitation. Right? He's just there. Whoa. (laughs) You know, maybe she was washing dishes. Maybe she was reading a story. I don't know. But all of a sudden, the angel was there. And aren't you glad that the angel knew when to show up? Right? And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou that are highly favored of the Lord, the Lord is with you, blessed are you among women. So you are highly favored, the Lord is with you, you're blessed. Say, I'm favored. Say, the Lord is with me, and I'm blessed. We gotta think of ourselves like that. Who said that to Mary? It was the angel. Who was the angel communicating for? God. God gave him the words to say. This was the truth. You gotta accept it. Amen? You have to accept what God says about you to be true. You have to become what God says about you. You've got to own what God says about you. I am favored. I am blessed. I am, God is with me. It will change your perspective. It will turn defeat into victory. You gotta own it. You gotta believe it. And when she saw him, she was troubled. Once again, people think they see angels. And, oh, it's going to be a, no. She was troubled. She was like, "Whoa!" I mean, angels are like nine foot tall, dressed in white. They're glowing. You'd say you'd be a little troubled too. Amen. And uh, his, she was troubled at his saying. Oh, no, she was troubled at his saying, not at his presence. Huh. And cast in her mind what manner of salutation this this should be. What manner of greeting. And the angel said to her, fear not. So he's communicating once again, not fear. When you encounter God's presence, fear leaves. Amen? Fear cannot hang around in the presence of God. They cannot exist in the same place. One of them will make the other leave. Which one do you embrace? Which one do you honor? Which one do you value? Depending on which one will stay. You want God? Hold on to God. Fear will leave. You want fear? Hold on to fear and God will leave. Does God give you the choice to fear? Yeah, he gives you the choice. But he doesn't want you to fear. He, doesn't get, he hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But fear, fearing is a choice. You have got to make a conscious decision that you are not going to fear. You're not going to be afraid no matter what. No matter what it looks like. No matter how fast your heart beats. No matter how the hair on the back of your neck stands up. You will not fear. Say, I will not fear. Say, I refuse to fear. 
When you get a report of the doctor, the first thing you're going to do is fear. Don't fear. Reports can change. Take it to a different writer. Jesus will write you a different report. He'll bring about a different outcome. Amen? Whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Okay. What would it be if I didn't break out with a stanza or something? Okay? So he does this for Mary. I want you to see the time that he's taking. He's not in a hurry. He's, he's letting her process this, you know, and the process is happening quickly, but, you know, there's no pressure. God, if there's pressure for you to believe something, it's not from God. It's from the enemy. God doesn't use pressure or intimidation or fear. God creates a peaceful atmosphere where he gives you the information that you need to make a right choice. Okay? That's why. Our God is generous. Our God is good. He's loving. He's faithful. He's kind. He has wisdom, power, and provision. Amen? You're seeing, you're seeing all this take place. Alright? And, uh, we know the story, you know, she accepts the word of God, the power of God comes on her, she's overshadowed by the power of the highest, and she conceives. Okay? And then, she goes and visits her cousin. Go down to verse, uh, verse, uh, Let's go down to verse uh, 48. You know, look at verse 39 for Jesus. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste. She's pregnant and she goes to the hill country. That's a tough lady. Amen. And uh, so let's go down to verse 46. So she's, she walks in, you know, she sees her cousin Elizabeth and John, inside Elizabeth, he's doing flip-flops. He can't say it, but he's trying to act. The Messiah, the Messiah, the Messiah is here. Why? Life begins at conception. An embryo is a human being. The minute a seed connects with the egg, life happens, and it is a life. It is a human being. It needs to be protected and valued and cherished. Some of the Supreme Court justices need that truth. So notice verse 47. And my spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior. If you need a reason to rejoice, rejoice in God. Amen? Say, God is doing great things in me. That's a reason to rejoice. When you start thinking about how good God is, that joy is just going to bubble up. And it'll get to the point where it overflows and you can't contain it anymore. Don't try to contain it. Let it go. Ha, ha, ha. Don't put a lid on the joy. Let it flow. All right, verse 48. He has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. All right? So with loving God treats Mary with uh, 
loving kindness, all right, with loving care. And he, he, he comes to her, and uh, she's going to be all, gen- listen, how many generations has passed, and we still talk about her every year, sometimes more than every year, amen? We're still talking about Mary. Why? It's the greatest story ever told. And we should not let the world pervert our story. The world, let me tell you something, the devil has done a good job at perverting the truth about the Christmas story. He has propagated lies and falsehoods and have been embraced by millions. Where could you go to find the truth of the, of the Christmas story? The B-I-B-L-E. Not anything else. The B-I-B-L-E. It designed it, it made it, it brought us forth. So this is the authority. All right? So here's Mary, and uh, she begins to, verse 49 says, He has done mighty things to me. That's God giving his power. God's giving his wisdom to her. He has done, how many has God done mighty things for you? Amen? Well, he's worthy to be praised for those mighty things. Holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him. Who's his mercy on? Those that fear him from generation to generation. God does show mercy, but people who aren't fearing God can't receive his mercy. You've got to come to the point of accepting his mercy. Amen? But mercy is part of God's goodness, his faithfulness, his kindness, his love. He has showed strength with his arm. That's his power. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. (laughs) God opposes the proud. If you're too proud, I never say that I'm proud of my sons. I say that I'm well pleased. Whoa, what do you mean? What did God say when Jesus was baptized? Did he say, I'm proud of you, Jesus? He said, this is my son in whom I'm what? Well, please, I don't use the word proud. Why? It has a negative connotation in the Bible. Now, people might have accepted it as a different word in this world, but the Bible treats it different. God opposes the proud. I don't want to be on the opposite side of God. He scattered the proud in their imagination. Right? Verse 52, he put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. Oh, my goodness. He exalts you from Lodabar. Everybody has been raised out of Lodabar today. Amen? You've been raised out of pasturelessness to, to green pastures. Glory to God. You have abundant green pastures where you can have a feast every day. You can feast on the goodness of God. Glory to God. Verse 53, he filled the hungry with good things. Everybody say, with good things. Can God feed you? Yes, he can. He fed two to three million people for 40 years where they didn't even have a Burger King or a McDonald's or a filling station. God fed them. He fed them with bread. He fed them with meat. He fed them with water. God fed them, and he can feed you. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear or where you're going to live. 
But seek first the kingdom of God, and, and all these things will be what? Will be added, will be given to you. All these things will be given to you. But you got to put him first. Not second, third, or fourth. Not anywhere on the list. He's got to be number one. Amen? Why? He's good. Verse 54. He helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. Oh, I'm telling you, God remembers his mercy. God is a helper. He'll help you when you need it. He's a very present help where? In trouble. So when you're in trouble, you got help. Help has arrived on the scene. Who is getting tough out here, Lord? Don't worry. Help is here. When Gabriel was young, they used to watch this cartoon called the Koala Brothers. And they flew, they were, they were in Australia and they flew this plane and they said, we're just here to help. And they just always look for ways, they'd be flying around their plane looking for ways to help people. And they, their slogan was, we're just here to help with the Australian accent. We're just here to help. That's more of a southern accent, but. God's in the helping business. He'll help you. But he wants to get you to a better place. Amen? Verse 55, he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. So you're seeing all these things. And Mary abode with her for about three months. So Mary is three months pregnant, and Elizabeth is about to give birth to John. And returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full time came that she should be delivered, and she brought forth a son. God does not lie. When God says something is going to happen, it will happen. you got to trust him. Amen? What do you trust? You trust in his goodness. You trust in his generosity. Our God is a generous God. He's given this, this beautiful creation. He's given us life. He's given us love. He's given us acceptance. When everyone else rejected you, God accepts you. God is there for you. God extended his mercy towards us. Amen? He is gracious towards us. This is the generosity of God. And when we're generous towards each other like God is to us, it creates an atmosphere of abundance. You know what happened in the early church? In Acts chapter 4, we're not going to go there, but people were, they owned houses. That's more than one. And they would sell a house. Okay, let's say you sell a house for $50,000. They didn't give a $5,000 tithe. They gave the $50,000. They gave the whole amount that it was sold for, and they would bring it for the apostles, right? And the apostles would distribute it to those who need. And the Bible says, there was no one who lacked. See, when you have an atmosphere where generosity is free to flow, abundance rises. When when there's free-flowing generosity, abundance increases. It affects everybody. It's It's like... An ice cream float that you pour too much more root beer on and it's overflowing on the table. Amen? Generosity generates abundance. What's the root word of generosity? Generate. To generate means it gets stuff moving. 
And when we tap into the generosity of God and we become generous like he's generous, things start happening in our lives supernaturally. Amen? I don't know about you, but I want that. God needs us to generate some things. Amen? So we see the generosity of God in the story of Mephibosheth and in the Christmas story. I mean, who would have conceived that God would give a son? But he did. And he did it for good reason. If he didn't give his son, neither one of us would be here today. But because he gave his son, because that generous act of giving, for God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only begotten son. And he he gave him to whosoever. Whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When you believe in him, you receive the gift. You value the gift. You honor the gift. You make it your gift. Amen? You appreciate the gift, and the gift starts to work in you. And you got saved, and now you're growing in God, and you're seeing God work. You're seeing God move in your life. Amen? That's the generosity of God. We have a generous God. And I spent hours, and I went through the Bible, which I'm going to share in the coming weeks, of things that God has given us. And I put them in alphabetical order, by the way, so that you don't have to. Let me just share a few. All right? Just, I'm just, God has given us all things. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Everybody say, all these things. How many get excited about all these things? Yes. God wants you to have things? Yeah. You can have as many things as you want as, those th- as long as those things don't have you. You know, things have a, have a pull on people. Too many times... People don't move on in their future because they're tied to things. Let me, t- let me tell you something. I've done lots of funerals. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You're not going to be able to take those things with you. So you might as well let those things be a blessing however God wants to use them. Amen? After all, whose things are they? There are things. We're just stewards. We serve a generous God, and he's overseeing us, his generous production. You're a generous overseer, and you oversee generous production. Amen? What do you do? I manage God's generous production. Glory to God. That's what he's, as children of God, that's what he's given us. Amen? And he's given us an assignment and a task. I'm not going to give you any more, but it took me hours. But I'm glad to do it because I'm a teacher. It's what I do. It's how I roll. I let the prophets prophesy, but I teach and explain. That's what I do. I'm a note person. I still got my notes from Rhema 30 years ago. I still got my binders in my office. I've carried my binders everywhere I go. Why? I got, I got about eight or nine binders from all my classes of Rhema. Both sides, du- double-sided, 
written notes. The prophets are like, man, you need help. You need help. <laughs> the evangelists are going, I only need three messages because I got different people all the time. Listen, you just be who you are. I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just, I'm just trying to be Doug Pishko. Amen. And I'm so glad to be pastor of Victory Christian Fellowship. I'm so glad that God was generous enough to bring us here and to bring us to this place. Amen. And I get, I get to do something I love to do every week. Glory to God. I have a good time. I preach myself happy often and I preach other people happy often too. <laughs> Happiness abounds at VCF. Amen. Amen. If you're unhappy, you need to come here and get happy. Amen. God can turn your situation around just like that. Why? He's generous. He's good. He's loving. He's kind. He's faithful. He has wisdom, power, and provision that he wants to give to you. Amen. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I've never... My very first sermon, I went 45 minutes. And I believe in increase, so it just keeps going. No. <laughs> I, I did hear, though, that Kenneth Copeland's record was eight hours of preaching. So I haven't touched that yet, not planning to do that. That's eight hours. That's, whoo. Yeah, but I get, Copeland's record was eight. I heard it yesterday, eight hours. Of preaching. I mean, Paul preached so long a guy fell asleep and fell out of a two-story window. <laughs> they, had to, they had to have a resurrection service. <laughs> and then when he was resurrected, he kept on going. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, Jesus is better than the Energizer Bunny. He keeps going and going and going. Amen. One good thing about being a pastor is we can just pick up where we left off. So is there anybody here today that you need something in your life? You need God to do something in your life, in your body, in your finances, in your family. I want you to put your faith in the goodness of God today. Amen. God is good and he's willing to share his power and his glory and his kindness with you. And if you need it, he can get it to you. You just got to believe him. Amen. If you need healing in your body. Help in your finances, uh, help with your family, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. God's got it. You need to come and get it. It's open right now. There's an open invitation that if you need God to do something, he'll do it. Because we've been talking about the goodness of God. If he did it for one, he'll do it for another. God doesn't respect persons, but he does respect faith. Amen. And I love when people get what they need from God. It's exciting. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just for a moment, stay engaged in worship or prayer. And if you got to go, I understand you can go, but God's ministering to some people here. So you, you support him with your prayers and your praise. Amen. And I'm just going to pray a general prayer and we're going to lay hands on you. Father. I thank you for your people who have come today to receive of your goodness. You are not a man that you should lie, God. So your goodness has been proclaimed. It has been decreed and it will be 
planted in their hearts and seen in their lives.